Hey guys, wanted to invite you to the Awaken Conference, Memorial Day weekend, May 23rd through 25th in 2020. We are bringing it back. Thousands of young adults are gonna gather in this city, Dallas, Texas, to be a part of a weekend where we awaken to the movement you were made for, which is the church. To be a part of that weekend, to find out all that'll be involved, you can go to awaken.live and sign up. You don't wanna miss it and we hope to see you there. Fort Worth, Houston, El Paso, Fayetteville, Phoenix, Boise, Idaho, uh, all the other Ports Live locations, and especially all of us in the room. We are continuing the series, Roaring Twenties, How to Have Twenties, the decade between 2020 and 2030, that roar in everywhere you want them to and everywhere that God wants them to, not to just survive the next decade or your 20s, but to thrive in a way that leads to the type of life that God wants and ultimately you want. Tonight, I'm going to start by just telling kind of a story that will give us some direction for where we're going. In college, I had a chance to be on the track team where I went to school, and my first year of college showed up, and track is a spring sport, so the fall was a um, was time of like conditioning and training and just doing a bunch of exercises, getting ready for the season coming up. I threw the javelin, which is the most random sport on the planet, which explains how I was able to do it at that school, because there's like three of us out there that do it, but anyways... So I was with all the throwers. So you got javelin, shot put, just people who were part of the throws group. And the biggest challenge in the conditioning season or that semester, the fall semester, that we had, there was a bunch of tests that you'd have to do and like a bunch of weightlifting things, hear me roar. But there was also this thing called the obstacle course. The obstacle course was this test that our coach named Chico, who was like a mad scientist, uh, had put together And uh, it was something that was the most dreaded of all the different tests that we had to do. And it was at the end of the semester, so you spent the entire semester training, and then you had to end it by doing this obstacle course that he put put together. Here's what it was, briefly. It was basically, you would take these weights, or these shot puts that weighed like 16 pounds, you'd have to run and snake the bleachers, which means run up and run down, and basically run up all around the stadium, set the weight at the top, come back down, run the bleachers again, pick up another weight, run around the track, jumping over hurdles, and then snake the bleachers again, set it down, all for time. So I didn't know exactly what to expect and how hard this would be, and I show up on the day that the obstacle course is there, and everybody, it's like their, their least favorite day. You can just tell everyone is like getting ready for it. And as a freshman, you, you really don't know exactly what to expect. I've never done this before. So you have this mixture of like all this insecurity of, am I about to die? And all of this pride of like these pansies. I'm about to take this thing down and set a new record. And the coach looks at me, says, hey, you're the youngest. You'll go first. Set the pace. So again, step into the line, getting ready for this. I'm about to show Usain Bolt here. And, uh, and I take off. And I pick up the weight. And I run. And I snake the bleachers. And things are going okay. And I'm going up and down. And I'm going up and down. And I get to the top. I'm finishing lap one. I set the weight down there. Continue running. Go and pick up the second weight. I'm about to start lap two. Start to run around the track, jumping over the hurdles get back to the bleachers, we snake them again. And it was like everything in my body that was going, man, I'm a phenom. I mean, literally the the coach, at some point I look over and he's showing another coach my time of lap one. And I'm like, dude, they're about to move me to the sprinters team. That's what's about to happen. (laughs) And I get to that first bleacher step and my body is like, shut her down. (laughs) 
and lactate acid fills my legs. Like I was, I didn't even know this much lactate acid existed in your legs. And everything that was going from like a sprint literally shuts and comes to a complete halt. And it becomes like a walk for the rest of the time trying to do these bleachers. I mean, it was like to the point of embarrassment where like the entire track, all of a sudden it's like, you know, they're out there in the field and everyone's attention goes from like whatever they're doing to look at like out of pity. You know, those moments where they're like, someone, please make this stop. I just feel terrible for him. Look at him. He's so unathletic. And, uh, and I just, I, I, for like such a snail's pace, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to finish it. And and kept moving and finally just kind of got to the very end and totally collapsed. And, um, and my coach comes over and he says, David, that was the fastest first lap I've ever seen. <laughs> and that was the slowest second lap I have ever seen. It wasn't, I lost to everybody and it wasn't even close. It was like, you know, six minutes, six minutes, six minutes, 49 minutes. I mean, it was like guys that weighed 300 pounds that were shot putters were like jogging past me. And uh, it was just one of those occasions where what had started so well and had so much momentum all of a sudden came to such a halt. And my ability to even keep running was no longer possible. What does that have to do with what we're talking about tonight? Well, tonight we're going to examine one of the truths and principles from God's word that really we're doing throughout this series that we're covering In this young adult age, there are certain issues that are really at the forefront of things that if you're going to thrive or have 20s at roar, you need to know how to handle these different issues and handle them not just according to your friend's opinion or the latest blog, but according to God's word, things like dating, finances, career, like what does it look like to uh, approach these topics well? And tonight's topic isn't any of those, but I think is as important as any other topic that we're going to have in this series. Because if you don't get this topic right, it will hinder your ability to keep running. It's the reason why so many Christians go out with a bang, or they have this season in their life where they're like, I'm on fire for Jesus. I'll never, you know, walk away and just, I'm all in. I'm going to become a missionary. And then something happens and slowly they just begin to drift away from their faith and they don't even know if they believe in God anymore. It's responsible for why so many people who claim to be Christians and they pledge their life to another person who claims to be a Christian and they stand on an altar and say, till death do his part. And then a number of years later, sign papers that say, I don't want anything to do with you. I want a divorce. Because they didn't apply this principle, this biblical truth. It's a reason why so many of you, candidly, feel so alone right now. And there's an anxiety that kind of washes over you, and you wonder if anyone out there cares. It's a reason why so many people who claim to be Christians don't actually look any different than the world around us and give a bad name to Christ. And it's this principle, or this idea related to this topic, your friendships. Tonight, what I want to talk about is having the right friendships. The Bible over and over says that if you get this wrong, you can know the path that you are headed on is not going to be a path that you're going to like. 
It's been well said that many, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And the Bible says that over and over and over. So what I want to talk about is in this stage, making sure you have the right friendships and relationships around you, that your squad is filled with the people, that the God who's there wants to be a part of that. So I want to define what type of right relationships you should have. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down, that right friendships biblically, like these are the people, no matter who's been my crew, you know, the world says ride or die. It is not ride or die with the wrong people. The friendships that I should have should be relationships that I live authentically in relationship with people committed to Christ. The type of friendships that should mark your life is living authentically in relationships, like ongoing with people who are committed to Christ. This is the thing that if you're back in church and we get this story all the time and you're like, man, this is my year. I'm going all in. I really want to get serious. I can tell you right now whether or not 2020 is going to be a year where you grow closer to God or not if you tell me who you're running with. And so if you are a follower of Jesus and you want to really see and experience the transformation, the type of life, you want to head towards the right marriage someday, you want to make sure that you're not being a fool as it relates to your money, your career, all those different things. At the epicenter of that, directly related to your ability to wisely navigate those arenas is going to be the friendships that you have around. So let me unpack this sentence. Every single word in that sentence was intentionally chosen, that you would live authentically in relationship with people committed to Christ. Live authentically in relationship with people committed to Christ. What do I mean by that? So first thing, live authentically. This is probably the hardest one because 90% of you in the room are going to be like, dude, check the box. I feel like I'm done. I'm going to go see the food trucks. I live authentically. And you don't. You manage information. You don't tell the whole truth. You don't actually live in a way that like has other believers in your life who know where you're hurting, you're struggling, where you're having a hard time, where your mind is just like tripping on toxic thought after toxic thought who know your internet history, who know the relationship that you're in, they know the ins and the outs and and all the different ways that you are living or not living according to God. And I know some of you are like, no, I really think that I am. The vast majority of you, this is not something that you are experiencing and I'll unpack why I say that here in a second. And then the others of us, that maybe you're in a place where you're like, no, I really am living authentically with the community group and with my friendships, people who love God. This is a tension that it never goes away. It's something to constantly pursue. Living authentically. What do I mean by that? The Bible says that you and I, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, are to see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage, or in other words, here's the remedy to make sure none of you allow sin to get buried in your heart And it begins to grow and grow and harden your heart and turn you away from God. And the way that you prevent that heart hardening is by doing this. But encourage or exhort or call out one another daily, as long as it's called today. This is like him saying, every day that ends in Y. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That you're to have relationships with other people in your life that you are open in such a way where they can speak into your life and you can speak into theirs, the places where they need to be called out and where you need to be called out. James chapter five, verse 16 says, confess your sins to each other 
and pray for each other so that you would be healed? Do you have people in your life that you can actually be honest and confess sins to? And that they don't respond by making fun of you or just being like, dude, it's cool. You know, everybody does it. But they sit there, they pray for you, they come alongside and encourage and hold you accountable. Where you can be authentic, known. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 says, Stop telling lies. Praise him. <laughs> Let us tell our neighbors or one another the truth for we are all part of the same body. This means not managing information. It means you being honest and telling people the whole truth, being specific about where you're having a tough time, and living in the light, not with every single person everywhere and posting it all on Facebook, but with authentic relationships in your life where you can be real with other people. The Bible says this is to mark you and I's life. It's funny living in 2020. One of my favorite things about living today is social media, like this explosion of social media that the vast majority of human history has not had anything like. But um, today, I mean, just with Facebook and with Instagram and with Twitter, like it allows you to keep up with high school friends. You would have no idea what they're up to, but I like know high school friends, you know, their kids' names or people just kind of in my tribe that previously, had there been no Facebook, no Instagram, I would have no idea what's going on or that you have a dog or that you live in Phoenix or any of the different ways that you're able to connect. And not only that, you're able to like, you know, know about one another's life in ways that are both, you know, awesome and fun to connect with or know what's going on and kind of hilarious. Like there's never been a time in human history where you would feel like I need to share with every friend I have ever and all of my family and even some strangers that this avocado toast, avocado toast I had is just so delicious. Got to try this recipe, link in the bio. There'd never be a time where I would say that, you know, I'd never be a time where I'm like, I need to tell every person out there everywhere about my workout that I just had. And so I'm going to call up all my friends. Guys, it was, it was brutal. This wad, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, it was just, it would never happen. But now with social media, we all feel compelled to like, hey, I'm going to get this out there and click. And hey, guys, um, this is what I did today. Here's what's going on in my life. Or look at this sunset. Look how beautiful it is. And I need to tell everyone everywhere about this sunset. It's just a funny time. But it also was a great time because it leads us connected. But I think one of the dangers of, of social media is that it teaches us to be amazing managers of people's perception of us. It's just kind of part of the game. Like everyone's social media, and I know we all know this, like everyone, you look at Instagram or Facebook, you're like, yeah, that is not actually their real life. And we're all doing it, and you can even make money off of doing it by being called an influencer, where you, you are shaping the perception that people have of you. And we, without even knowing it, are becoming better and better managers of people's perception of us. What, what do I mean? Like, uh, not long ago, my wife and I, it was Mother's Day, and we went and we celebrated. We had Mother's Day brunch. Here's a picture from mine. So we had Mother's Day brunch. There's two little kids, and, you know, this is great. And underneath is, like, a caption of, hey, Callie, you are, like, the goat of moms. You're the best. Something sweet. Really romantic. Just, you know, you know what I'm saying? And uh, <laughs> I don't know why I winked. <laughs> so it's like, she's here, like, hey, babe, you know what I'm saying? Um, but here's what you don't know in that picture. 
is like on the way to this breakfast that we're going to have brunch for Mother's Day, we're in conflict because I didn't get her a card for Mother's Day. And I know, just stop judging me right now. And I got her other gifts and I had our kids sign the card and just different conflicts. So we're in conflict there. And then at the brunch, we're there with family. Our kids are going crazy. The daughter is sick. She won't sit still. The entire thing was miserable. It was like, this is the worst. The Mother's Day brunch is disgusting. And this is the worst Mother's Day brunch of all time. But then if you were to just look on my world, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so envious about what they have right now. Or I don't know what emotion you would have, but you would go, oh, that looked like it must have been such a great brunch. It was a terrible brunch. Terrible morning. I'm still recovering, to be honest. And uh, <laughs> that's not true. But we're excellent. And I'm not trying to mismanage it or trying to throw it out there. Nobody wants to go to the, the Instagram page and it's like, this actually is a deceitful picture and not actually, actually capturing what's going on. But my point is like, without even realizing it, we are experts at managing what people think and trying to manage the perception that they have of us, what they think about us. And where this becomes really dangerous is it begins to bleed in, I think, for lots of us into our real life, where we're so good at it, we've taught ourselves to be so good at it, that when it comes to actual human relationships, like not Instagram relationships, like real friends, we're constantly in the mode of manage information, manage people's perception. Don't actually be honest. Try to say what you think they want you to say. Try to be the person that you think that they want to see. And we're constantly keeping these superficial relationships. And the tragedy is all of us share the deep desire to be known, to be accepted, and to be loved. And as long as I decide I'm going to manage what you think about me, I'm not actually going to tell you when I'm having a tough time, I'm not actually going to open up my life, you can't actually love me because you don't actually know me. You know some superficial version of me. And my fear for many in this room is that you're gonna go your entire life and you will have the depth of friendships of an Instagram relationship. Today in this room, I would guess the vast majority of us have very few people that we can be real with, we're authentic with, they know us. And I know some of us do, and we're pursuing that in community and we're opening up our lives but thousands listening to me wherever you are and inside of this room live in this way where it's just basically, I'm terrified of you actually knowing the real me. So I'm gonna put out the me that I think everyone wants. And so no one ever gets to love the real you. They get to love some manicured version of you. And as Christians, we are called to live in the light and have real relationships marked by living authentically. So what does this mean? It means you, in your small group, if you have one, going and sharing about the areas of your life where you're having a hard time, where you are uh, needing God to take work. It means sharing, struggling, things like this. Man, I'm struggling this week to believe that God is good because my mom has cancer, and I don't know if it's going away. It means sharing, hey, Guys, I need to confess, this week I went farther physically than I wanted to in my dating relationship with her. I need you to hold me accountable, help me think through boundaries. I want to bring you guys in, and I just want to confess that. I don't want to walk in the dark with that. I mean, sharing that, man, I'm, I'm really struggling over anxiety about my job, and while I'm at work, what other people think about me, and what I'm going to do if a layoff happens. Like, you just bring that, and you say, this is where I'm really struggling. Will you pray for me? It means being honest about just there's times we're bent. Life can be really hard and sad, and you share, I'm sad 
I'm sad this week. I'm disappointed about my relationship status. Like lots of my friends are moving on to the next phase of life. Some of them already have kids. Maybe most have kids. And I feel like God has forgotten me. And I'm not sure it's gonna happen. And whether or not it will, I just need you to know, I'm like a little depressed in this moment. And you bring others in. You don't over-spiritualize it and try to pretend like, you know, hey, I lost my job. God, all things work together for good. Everything's fine. If you don't actually believe that. You don't minimize it and pretend that things are not hard when they are. Some of you, like, maybe the biggest takeaway you can have is to learn to not just say, whenever you're, like, weeping about something really hard in your life and someone's like, man, I'm so sorry for you to say, no, everything's fine. One thing is a clear, clear signal. When someone's bawling about something hard in their life and they respond with everything's fine, everything is not fine in that moment. And it's okay. And it's followers of Jesus, the relationship that God designed and wired you for is to be known and loved and cared for and to have that with other Christians inside of your life. The ta- challenge I think that most of us get into is like, dude, what are they going to think? If I, can, if I bring that to the group, I'm like, I'm anxious about this. I need to confess. I, I clicked on this. I need to confess. You know, we cross boundaries physically with my girlfriend. What are they going to think about me? Let me answer that question really quickly. Here's what they're going to think. Ready? They're going to think you're a lot like them, only really honest. They're going to think, huh, they don't have it together either. They're just more honest than I am. That's what they're going to think. Let me tell you what they're not going to think. When you bring the group and you're like, hey, look, you know, we've been dating, we're trying to pursue purity, and, um, and we, you know, we, we messed up this week. Here's what we did. You know, hands went places they shouldn't have gone. And you, you confess that to the group. Here's what I've never heard happened. The group sits there. Oh, huh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Man, thanks for sharing that. Are you telling me that there's a girl you're dating that you find really attractive and you hope to marry and, um, and that led you to cross boundaries physically? Oh my, what sort of pervert are you? I don't even know what to do with this. This is just, my mind is blown. How could you? That's insane. It doesn't make it right, and it doesn't make something that you should allow to take place, but it never happens where people are like, I don't even have a category for that. Wow, you guys really like each other? And what? I've never heard the story of a girl who brought forward, like, man, I'm just struggling, or a guy who brought forward, I'm struggling in this season of of singleness right now, and I'm just disappointed because, like, my timeline and where I hope to be I'm realizing it's not possible. Like, it's not happening for me. And I never heard the group come around and go, what is wrong with you? Trust God already. (laughs) No. If they love Jesus, they're going to be good lovers of people like Jesus was. And they're going to say, man, thank you for sharing that. Let me pray for you. And I'm there, me too. And I have experienced that. How can I walk with you and encourage you and remind you? And there's this lie that all of us, as crazy as those lies are, to believe that, man, what are they going to think? They're going to think you're honest. And if they love Jesus, and you should be in authentic relationships with people who love Jesus, they should respond like Christ calls us to. The second part of the sentence of, hey, living authentically is living in relationship. That's not a typo or being redundant. That's included because it means that you should be in ongoing, consistent, continual relationships with a group, with specific people 
not just random one-off conversations with a priest that you confess to, not just random one-off conversations with somebody down front, uh, not just random one-off conversations with somebody who lives in you know, Omaha and somebody who lives in New York and this friend that you had over here and your mom every once in a while, consistent, ongoing relationships, that you would have friendships, that you are authentic and they are in relationship, consistent, ongoing, regular relationships together. The Bible says in chapter Hebrews, verse 10, that you and I are to do this. Verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, which is of Christ returning, approaching. So Paul says, hey, don't give up. Keep meeting together. Some people are in the habit of not meeting together. Don't be like those people. He anticipates there's gonna be people who are like, you know what, I love Jesus. I'm good just me and Jesus, no church. Paul's like, hey, don't be that guy. You don't wanna be him. You wanna be someone who continues to meet together. And then he uses interesting terms. He says, and spur. That's like a horse metaphor. Somebody has spurs. They push and they encourage one another towards being more loving and having their life filled with more good things, good deeds, that they come alongside and they encourage the relationships where people are going, man, how can I help you be more of the girl that you wanna be, more of the guy that you wanna be, more of the husband you wanna be, more of the follower of Jesus? I wanna be a source of helping you get there and I need you to be a source of that in my life. Let me ask you a question before we keep going. Do you have those types of relationships? Like, do you have friends in your life that spur you on and your faith, that consistently, not every once in a while, not a pastor, not a, somebody that you met one time or a counselor in isolation or only, but people in your life, a group of believers around you that encourage and spur you on to be more of who God calls you to be. Like I said, this means, by this, I don't mean that um, if you're walking through, you live authentically and you just randomly call and you confess one sin to your friend John over here and then the next week you call Carl who lives over here and then the next week you call Bill who lives over here. You have people in your life who know what's going on in that group and you don't meet with them separately, that they're all a part of it and you're doing life and walking together. This has been the, some of the guys that for the last five years have been in my life, all the guys that are at the top, that for the last five years, every single Friday morning, we've met together for breakfast. On Thursday evenings, we meet as a group. And um, they have been, they are not impressed with me. They don't think anything about me other than uh, pastors get to be Christians too. So we know that you're messed up just like we are, and let's all come together and encourage one another. And they've walked alongside and prayed for and as we've walked through hard times in our marriage, they know where we're struggling, they know the temptations that take me out, and it's not perfect, and we meet together in everyday ordinary moments, and we talk about what God is teaching us, we talk about where we need to double down and love our wives better, we talk about the different ways that we just need God to win in our heart because we're believing different lies. And it doesn't, if you were to show up for one Friday morning, you wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, it's like just magical, there's an aura of spirit dust everywhere, and wow, it's just like ordinary moments. And in those moments, when you put them together over time, God does extraordinary things because those authentic relationships where people encourage and you walk together and they support you and they remind you of who you want to or who God calls you to be and call out the areas of your life where you're not being the man God calls you to be. Those are the ways that God transforms people. And it's not a perfect group, 
There is no perfect group, but do you have a group of people that are in your life walking alongside of you? Community or the type of relationships that I'm saying are like any relationships. They are forged, not found. Any great relationships are forged, not found. In other words, they take work. It'd be like this. It's just like a great marriage. Like a great marriage, let me just pop the bubble for anybody out there who thinks someday they're gonna get married and they're gonna find the one and this person is gonna be, you know, you wouldn't say you think they're the one because you've been around long enough and you're like, I know they don't complete me they're not the one, but they're pretty great. And uh, they're gonna be someone that you're gonna get into marriage with and if you wanna have a great marriage, no matter how well you click, you guys like the same, you know, movies, TV shows, sports, songs, everything, whatever that is, it's going to take work to have a great marriage. And if you're sitting and you're engaged right now and you're elbowing like, not us, baby, it's always going to be honeymoon. (laughs) The honeymoon will be over within like a week. And then you'll be into a place where you have to work because you're like, oh, wow, you're a girl. And this is not as easy as I thought. And she's like, oh man, you're a guy and you smell really bad. And this is not as easy as I thought. And the work begins because great marriages, like any great relationship, they're forged. You don't find them. You don't believe me right now or some of y'all don't, but that is the truth. They take work. So it is with community that great relationships take work they take prioritizing, especially when you're post-college. Like some of us, for me, some of my closest friends in the world were all in the college phase. And they're guys that, that love Jesus and that I, I still to this day keep up with and we're such close friends. But the way that we formed relationships then was almost not even fair because you're in college. I mean, you're like, do we spend like all the time together? We have three hours of class a day. Sometimes we don't even go. And then we just do whatever we want. And we're at Whataburger till three in the morning and we're living together and and you have all of this time to spend together. And now you have a job and you live separately and you're meeting people that are in your small group that you've never met before and you're trying to form a relationship. And you're like, this isn't as easy as these other friends because you haven't spent as much time with them as you had those other friends. It takes prioritizing, pursuing them, being patient and time and working towards that to create those types of relationships. And I know in case you're wondering, if you're sitting in a group, there's not a group out there where there's not times where everybody's like, I don't think I really want to go tonight. I don't think I really want to be a part of that. Every single Friday morning at 6 a.m., I'm like, oh, I do not want to go to this again. And then I get there and I always leave going, man, that was such a great reminder. I'm so glad I was a part of this. So when you're driving in your car and you're like, I'm sitting in traffic and I do not want to be a part of this, you're probably doing it right. And push through and pursue in relationship, living authentically with people who are committed to Christ, and it's gonna be worth it. And in the end, you're gonna win. Finally, the third component of this sentence of the right relationships to look for is to be living authentically, in relationship, ongoing, with people who are committed to Christ. People who are committed to Christ, not living authentically in relationship with a CrossFit community or living authentically in relationship with a neighborhood you know, around you or living authentically in community with family members. None of those. Li- Excuse me. Living authentically in community or in relationship with people who are committed to Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14, a verse that we've read many times before in the context of marriage, but it says, do not be yoked or partnered together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 
verse 33, he said this, do not be misled. As in like, hey, what I'm about to tell you is something where a lot of people get up misled. They, they're fools or they don't realize that this is a true thing. So don't be misled, don't be like them. Here's something you need to know. Bad company corrupts good character. Who you run with is more powerful than your character. Think about that. That's what he just said. Like, that is a crazy verse. And Paul says, hey, look, you can be a great character, raised in a great home, make you know, convictions at a deep level that you'll never do X, Y, and Z. But if you run with the wrong crowd, you're gonna run in the wrong direction. That the company you keep is more powerful than the character you have. The company you keep, like who's around you, who's in your inner circle, who speaks into your life, who influences you, who you spend the most time with, those people are gonna be more powerful than the convictions that you hold. Think about that. And that's not an opinion, that is the Bible. That's why it's been great, uh, it's been rightly summarized all throughout scripture. It says you can see your friends and then see your future, where you're headed towards. And Paul says, do not be deceived. Who you run with will determine where you're running towards. Like think, we've all seen this in case, in case you're like, really, is it really that powerful? Think about some of the decisions that you made in life and how they were directly connected to who you were around. Like some of the decisions, like here, here's what I know. The first time you smoked pot was not in isolation totally by yourself. It wasn't one day where you're like, you know what? I feel like pot sounds good. Let's try that out. Anybody? Hey, uh, pot.com. You know where I could get some of this? <laughs> no. You were around somebody at somebody's house, and they're like, hey, man, you, you want to try? The first time you smoked a cigarette, probably the first time you drank alcohol. I mean, think about all the different decisions that you, you uh, the way that you formed your perspective on sex and relationships, all of it was directly formed by whoever you ran with. It can be incredibly powerful in a negative direction or incredibly powerful in a positive direction. That some of you, the reason why you ended up doing a Bible study is because you were hanging out with a friend from work and they were like, hey, do you want to do this with me this year? And you started doing that and God got a hold of your heart in a unique way. Others of you, the way that you date has been directly connected to the people around you because you've had wise guys or wise girls say, I don't think she's right for you. I don't think this is a good relationship for you to be in. And you made the decision, I'm getting out because I continue to hear that same thing from people in my life. I remember the first time that I heard somebody talk about, hey, I don't want to be addicted to pornography. And so I, will you... I'm gonna sign up for something called Covenant Eyes, which is this software, and um, I'm gonna send it to you every single week. This was like 10 years ago for me. And he came over and he told me that at my house. And you know what that created in me? A response that said, me too. I don't wanna look at this anymore. And we got on Covenant Eyes together. I don't know that I ever would have done that without him 10 years ago. And one of my closest friends to this day, who you run with is gonna, for good or bad, shape the direction that you are running towards? Are you running with the right people in your life? And Paul says, hey, I don't care how important, how many times you go to the porch, how important like God is to you, how good of a boy or girl your mama raised you to be. Bad company trumps that all day long. Are you running with the right people in your life? Here's what the right people in your life look like. People who are committed to God, or committed to Christ, if they have that, they're gonna have these qualities because they're committed to Christ's word, the Bible, and living in line with it. When you find friends who are committed to Christ, they speak the truth in love. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29 says. Like they wanna speak the truth to you, not to beat you over the head, but because they love you and do so in a loving way. They mourn with you when you mourn and they rejoice with you when you rejoice. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says. They come alongside and when it's hard, they're there for you. 
when things are going great, they celebrate with you. They counsel you from God's word, Colossians chapter three, verse 16, that they don't give you their opinion. like, hey, I saw on Ellen the other day that maybe we should do this. That they say, I think God has something to say about this issue. And they speak from God's word and counsel your life in that direction. They're willing to say hard truths that even if they think it's going to wound you, if it is something that you may not be aware of or in order to protect you, something you may not see, they're willing to call out blind spots. That's Proverbs chapter 27, verse six. I mean, this one alone, it's just so huge. I mean, you guys remember the show, um, is American Idol still on? It is? Is it back? Anyway, uh, whether it's back or not, at one point in time, American Idol was a thing, and if you watch that show, you'll know what I'm talking about, where every single season, there were the people who could go on there, and they could sing, and then there were the people who could go on there, and they could not, and uh, you would watch, and, and you would always think, like, how has no one ever told you this before? Like, how are you singing Gangnam Style right now in front of 30 million Americans, and everyone is laughing at you right now? How did nobody in your entire life go, Hey, dude, you can't sing, bro. You do not need to be doing this. Do you, are you really? Because they never had any faithful friend that was willing to say, hey, man, we're going to find you like another hobby, like basket weaving or something. And um, this is not, not really what I think you're called to do. How? And the same thing, tragically, is true for a lot of us in the room. That you've never had a real friend in your life and you, you've been in one like messed up relationship after the next, after the next, after the next. And like you get around people who are like actually truth tellers and, and you begin to describe, you know, your dating relationship and just how you always date these deadbeat jerk guys and one after the next. And they were able to say, I think the common denominator is you. Has anyone ever told you that you may be the reason why you continue to be deadbeat guys? And you've never had anybody speak truth like that in your life. You've never had anybody willing to say like, hey, I, I think you need, I think you're bitter towards your dad. Like, it feels like, it sounds like you may hold a grudge towards him. Am I right? Maybe I'm wrong. But willing to say, not what they want you to hear or not what you, they know that you want to hear. They're like, man, I love God and I love you more than I love what you think about me. Or more than I love what I want you to think about me. And more than I need you to like me, because I love you. And if I'm obsessed with you liking me, I may not be able to love you. If it means telling you something that's hard to hear. Do you have friends like that in your life? Friends that are committed to Christ will encourage you when you're faint-hearted. When you're just, man, I'm just exhausted. They're generous towards you. And your needs as a source of provision in your life. That when you're financially in a hard place... They're coming around you, hoping to make ends meet, pay bills, cover things. They forgive you when you hurt them. Colossians chapter three, verse 13. Generous was Acts chapter two, verse 45. They forgive you when you hurt them as Christ forgave them. They don't hold on to grudges. They're not like, you hurt me. Bye, Felicia. Peace. I'm out of here. That they work through hurts with you. They work through conflict. Ephesians chapter four, verse three says, they're diligent to work through conflict. When you hurt them, they move towards you because they want to see it resolved for the sake of being unified. Do you have relationships like that? By implication, the other thing that take away from this is that it's not even just having the right relationships in your life, it is removing the wrong relationships from your life. 
And this next two minutes is gonna be the thing that some of you listen to and it's gonna change your life forever. Am I saying that there may be people in your life that you need to go and say, hey, I don't think we can hang out anymore. Like we can't hang out in the same way at least anymore. Yes. And I know you're going, dude, what are you saying? Are you kidding me? Like we're boys? You know how much we've been through? I mean, we've been through all types of stuff. I mean, this dude was here for me when I went through the darkest moments in my life. I mean, they've been in my life forever. Are you telling me I just need to ghost them and walk away? No. But I am telling them you need to sit them down and step away and have a conversation and say, if it's true, I'm not sure that we can be friends in the same way we have been, at least right now. Like I, I, I love, take them to lunch, you sit them down, you say, I feel like God is doing something in my life and I'm trying to get, I'm trying to focus on my relationship with him, which means I can't spend the weekend partying anymore. I'm not sure I can come to your bachelor party in a month. Like just the stuff that's gonna be there, I feel like it's gonna pull me down and it's not because I think I'm better than you, I just think I'm, I'm better off following Jesus than I have been and so I, I, this is the change I'm making right now. And so I still want to spend time with you. I still love you. If you want to come with me to small group, to church, I want to hang out with you. Just maybe not at happy hour and maybe not at the bar and maybe not at the places that we have been, at least right now. You don't ghost. You don't just go radio silent. You speak the truth in love. And if you're thinking like, hey, what if they're like, oh, oh, okay, really? Oh, you can't go to the bar anymore? That's, what's, what's up with that, dude? You don't care about me? Oh, you're so much better than me now since you found Jesus? May I suggest that if someone only wants to hang out with you if it involves alcohol, maybe they are not as close of a friend as you think. If someone only wants to hang out with you if it involves whatever thing God says shouldn't be in your life, they may not be as close as you think. But yes, the scripture does say, you will walk with the right people and have the type of relationships around you where you live authentically in relationship with people who are committed to Christ. Some of you tonight is your night and you're gonna take a step that is gonna totally transform who you're gonna be in 2030. You're gonna go up the first step, you're gonna take your first step, you're gonna get plugged into a church, you're gonna get into community and you're gonna experience life change. You're gonna experience more of what Jesus called you to be, more who you were made to be. Others of you are not gonna listen. You're gonna continue in relationships that are gonna continue pulling you down. And one day you're gonna wake up and you're gonna remember this message or maybe you're gonna have a friend that invites you back again. You're gonna be reminded that, oh, God does love me. He hasn't forgotten me. He wants me to experience life. And one of the ways that he designed that to be experienced is through relationships with other Christians in my life. And that day you're gonna get it, hopefully. Let me close by saying this. If you could have a friendship or be in a relationship, non-romantic one, with anybody on the planet, I want you to just think to yourself, like, who would I want to be friends with? Like, a person, anybody on the planet. You could be friends with Justin Bieber. You could be friends with, you know, Selena. You could be friends with, um, you do you. Whoever you would be excited about being friends with. Like, this would be the person, maybe it's a mentor. Mark Cuban, I'd love, you know, in business world, I'd love to have a friendship with this person. Who would that person be? If that person and the qualities that make you want to be their friend did not include the quality or the top of those qualities, godliness, that they love Jesus, they're someone that I admire in their walk with them. They're someone who is a godly person who I want to have a relationship with because every time I'm around them, they make me want to be more like Jesus. 
your priorities are off, or at least not biblical. And the God who's there wants you to have relationships, and they will show you your future. Do you have the right ones? If you're here and this is the first time, maybe you've been back in church in a while, or maybe you are still trying to figure this entire God thing or Jesus thing out, here's what I want you to hear me say. What you need to do is not take the first step of going and getting into a small group. You need to take a first step in responding to the God who's already stepped towards you. I ask the question, if you could be in a friendship or relationship with anybody on the planet, who would it be? Do you know how God answered that question? Do you know how God would answer that question? Hey God, if you could be in relationship with anybody out there, who would it be? You. The God who's there, and listen to me, the God who is there has not woven creation into such a way where he's waiting for you to work your way towards him. That he wants you to strive and get your life together and clean yourself up and stop doing that and put yourself together and then you can have a relationship. He's a God who so desperately wants to be in relationship with you. He went to the furthest extent possible by sending his own son to die in your place. And he did so by paying for all the sin in your life, every sin in my life, every sin inside of this room, every sin that has ever been done by anyone listening, whether you're there right now or at some future date on the podcast, every person, all of it paid for because he wanted to have a relationship with you because he answered that question, who would I want most? You. And so many people have bought the lie that the God who's there wants to rip them off. He wants you to follow a bunch of rules. You need to be in church a bunch. You need to read your Bible X number of times, and then you could have a relationship, and it is a lie from hell. God is so crazy about you. He sent his own son to make a way so that despite anything and everything you've ever done, all the ways that you don't deserve to have a relationship, you could have one, not by earning it, but by accepting it, by saying, I believe, I believe it's true. God, you came. You reset the calendar, 2020 years. You died in my place. I don't think I'm good enough to have a relationship with God. I don't think I'm good enough to go to heaven, but I believe that you paid for my sin and you rose from the grave, you conquered death. And I believe in that. And I receive, if it's possible, that free gift. And I'm not trusting in me, I'm trusting in you. And that moment, that relationship that you were made for begins. And every relationship in this earthly life will fall short if it doesn't and is not grounded and founded on that relationship with one another. Let me pray. Father, thank you. That despite every way that we have tried to satisfy the loneliness, the aches, the anger, the places in our soul that are crying out for you and we try to fill them with sex, or pleasure, or success. Despite all of that, you died in our place. You gave your life so that we would not just have good friendships here, but we could be a friend of God forever. And so, Father, I pray for anyone in this room who's never received that free gift. Your spirit would now do what only it can do and allow them to trust not in how good they are or bad they are, but in you. I pray for people in this room who don't have real relationships. They're lonely. They're anxious. They feel like no one cares and they're afraid 
of what if someone knew that you would break through the walls and you would move them just by your spirit to take the next step, whether that's opening up to their small group or getting plugged into a church, this one or another one. Father, would you help us? We are weak. And we know that in our weakness, you are strong and you've given us community to encourage and help one another. Would we lean on that and walk with others and experience all the life and a decade ahead of us that roars through your provision of the gift of the people of God. In Christ's name, amen.